Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers tonight. If you're joining us for the first time and you want more information about our show, we encourage you to please check out our website located at deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you haven't already done so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Go ahead and subscribe if you enjoy our content. And if you're there right now on YouTube, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast if you enjoy it. Saz is going to be handling the text chats, and we are going to have Marie uh, moderating Instagram, as well as our other team members as well. So guys, uh, let me welcome some of you guys here. We have Justin with us on YouTube, Burnt Eggies, Caleb is joining us, Junior James, Herbal Might is joining us, Eric is also with us, Christian, uh, that Chris Eric says this idea may sound dumb, but could you possibly do a tribute to both the psycho prisoner Tomas from episode three, see, from ep- season three, episode two, and Sadiq? All right, that sounds like a plan to me. Uh, we can definitely get on that for you on Instagram. We have a lot of people with us. Briani is joining us. Exploding is joining us. Zorro. Anna Flower says, I love you. Thank you very much, Anna Flower. De- Danielson is with us. Vernon. Lillian. Just scrolling through the names here. If I don't get to everybody, I apologize. There's just a lot of people on the list. Stuart Truthy is joining us. Welcome, Stuart. Arash is also with us. CC Weezy is with us. Danielson. And Nikki Decca, welcome Nikki. Uh, Jesus has given us a thumbs up on Instagram. Uh, exploding Potato is saying hi. So, guys, tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the day we are going to have Walking Dead director, uh, Fear the Walking Dead executive producer, and director of, of like I said, Fear the Walking Dead, Michael Satrazimus will be our special live guest right here on Dead Talk Live. This is the person who's been with The Walking Dead from season one, uh, the very beginning. Uh, started out as a co- camera operator and has worked all his, he, he has worked his way all the way up to executive producer and still directing both shows, episodes on both shows. It's gonna be a fascinating discussion. Uh, starting at 9.30 p.m., our normal start time tomorrow, Eastern time, that's Eastern U.S. time. You guys, this is your last chance to submit your questions for Michael. So if you do have a a question for Michael Satrazimus, please head on over to our website. Again, deadtalklive.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where you will find our submission form and submit your video question or text question. And we will look at it, we will sort through them, and we will ask him those questions tomorrow live while he's with us here. It's going to be a fascinating hour. You don't want to miss this one, so please tune in. Now, speaking of guests, and all the credit for this goes to our executive producer, Marco, we have uh, upcoming guest announcements to make. The first one is Emma Bell. Emma Bell played Amy. Andrea's sister in season one and we all remember the profound effect Amy had on Andrea and uh, she is going to be joining us live here at Dead Talk Live uh, date to be determined but it's hopefully going to be sometime very very soon and on also you know uh, with Amy not appearing on the same show We're also going to have Andrew Rothenberg, Jim, from season one of The Walking Dead. Uh, That's just fascinating. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to bring in guests starting from the beginning seasons of The Walking Dead. And we're trying to build and, I guess, properly display and show you guys what the atmosphere has been on the show from season one and as the show has progressed. 
So, and uh, Andrew Rothenberg, who played Jim, his confirmation literally came in minutes before we went live tonight, where he said yes to coming on to being our special guest. So coming up, guys, uh, we have, let's see, we have Michael Satrazimas tomorrow. We also have Matt Mangum, who played DJ, the savior turned Alexandrian. We have Juan Javier Cardenas, Dante, uh, you know, the guy who killed Sadiq, Alpha Spy in Alexandria. And now we have Emma Bell, Amy's, uh, who played Andrea's sister. And of course, Jim. How can we forget Jim from season one? Jim was the one that was left uh, by the group because he was bit uh, by a tree. And they left him with a gun on their way to the CDC. And that was the last we ever saw of Jim. So we're trying to build a timeline to see, you know, to build the atmosphere. And what, how the atmosphere on the Walking Dead set has changed as the seasons went on in the show. And we got awesome season one guests coming up. And then, of course, we have like Dante coming up. Michael Satrazimus tomorrow, who's been on every season of the show. Uh, we have DJ, the very, you know, well-known savior turned Alexandrian after the saviors lost the war. So a lot of exciting guests, just like I promised you guys. Uh, and a lot more are coming. A lot more guests are coming down the pipe. So stay tuned as we're going to be announcing guests pretty frequently here on Dead Talk Live. So let me see what you guys are saying on the chats. Uh, Temple says Jim should have stayed. He was a great character. He had a lot of potential. Uh, Exploding says, I hate, <laughs> I'm not going to say the word, but he hates uh, Dante who, who killed Sadiq. Uh, Dante was a... Uh, you got to give Juan Javier credit, man. He played Dante perfectly. What a great actor. And uh, it's going to be our privilege to have him here with us. Uh, Frank is giving us a lot of thumbs up, as is Yuhas. Uh, Kyle Alexander on Instagram is waving at us. Nikki Decca says, thank you for the guest, Viz. Uh, we appreciate it. These guests... Uh, like I said, are all because of our executive producer, Marco. So thank you to Marco. He's actually with us on Instagram tonight, watching for getting us all these cool guests lined up for Dead Talk Live. Evelyn is with us. Hello, Evelyn. Uh, Jamesman007 writes, when does Joe die? I think you mean Jim. Jim died in season one. On their way to the CDC, he got bit during that attack on the camp where we lost uh, Carol's abusive husband, Ed. Uh, we lost Amy, who's going to be our guest as well, Emma Bell. Uh, Andrea was devastated, stayed by her all night holding her till she turned. And if you guys remember when Rick tried to step in, uh, Andrea pulled the gun on Rick, saying, don't come any closer. This is my sister. Uh, famous scene right there. And it was Andrea that put her sister down once she turned. And going back to the season one days, guys, I keep mentioning this. Uh, from the moment you die or bit or whatever, it took a lot longer to turn as opposed to what it is now. Now it's very short. You die... Within minutes, you are going to turn into a walker. Back then, it took anywhere from eight plus hours. So they never really explained that. So they leave that up to us to kind of figure out. And really the explanation that we can come up with is that the walker virus has mutated. It has mutated over the years. And maybe we are going to get more information about that. Uh, when we're introduced to the CRM in The Walking Dead World Beyond and eventually The Walking Dead movies with Rick Grimes. Since they are going to be a lot more science-based 
They have the equipment. They've been studying this virus for a long, long time now. And I think a lot of answers are going to be revealed to us once we get an official introduction to the CRM. So stay tuned. A lot of these questions are going to be answered and it should be really interesting. Should be really interesting. Paige on Instagram writes, um, I might have to rewatch it to be honest. Oh, it's always great. And uh, this weekend, AMC is starting from the beginning. Season one, episode one of The Walking Dead for everyone to catch up. It's the big lead up that they're going to be playing all the way up to October 4th when we're finally going to get this finale. So there you guys go. It's, uh, it's coming up. And Marco, our executive producer, also mentioned to me that uh, season one is also being streamed free. Marco, uh, you're on Instagram. If you can share the name of that streaming service, because I forgot, but uh, there is a streaming service that is streaming season one currently of The Walking Dead as well. So if Marco can mention that on Instagram, I will share that with the rest of you guys as well. So uh, let's see what's going on on Facebook. Hard uh, Productions is with us. Good to see you again, Hard Productions. It's been a while. Cat is with us. And speaking of Cat, and the name of the streaming service, guys, is Pluto. So it's an app. It's on your computer. If you go to Pluto, get the app, whatever, you can stream see at least season one of The Walking Dead. Uh, I don't know if they have more than season one, but it's free. Pluto is absolutely free. So if you guys just want to catch up, you can go ahead and do so. AMX writes, uh, a Walking Dead live stream isn't the best place to find a girlfriend. That's... I, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, Diego is with us on Instagram, all the way from Costa Rica. Welcome, Diego. Cabaja is also with us. So, guys, speaking of Kat, who's with us on YouTube right now, Kat submitted a new video to us. Uh, I love Kat's videos. They're awesome. Uh, she I posted it on our social network a couple of hours ago. Earlier this afternoon, it's a tribute to a lot of various different characters on The Walking Dead. This one is titled uh, Take On Me from the famous AHA song from the 1980s. I love AHA. I love that song. So, without further delay, for all of you that have watched it, it's worth re-watching again. For all of you who have not watched it, check it out.
So there you guys have it. Cat tricked you. She, you thought the video was over when the song faded, didn't you? <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. Uh, and if you guys ever saw the original music video of that song by Aha Take On Me, the music video uh, is done in the same style of cinematography where you see the real life uh, images getting drawn over by a cartoonish image. So that's what Kat was uh, imitating in that video. And she did a fabulous job. Great job, Kat. Awesome. Jennifer and John Wesley are with us on Facebook. Welcome, guys. It's good to have you back with us. Rosa is also with us on Facebook. CTR Nitro is with us as well. Uh, Junior James writes, uh, you're welcome to Kat. The song is awesome. Uh, you're welcome, Cat. Cat's thanking me. Uh, let's see what's going on on the other side. So, uh, Rick's last episode mirrored his first one in a lot of different aspects. Screen Rant did an article on this, you know, from the song that was playing when he was taken away in the helicopter in season nine, episode five, to a lot of various other aspects that they did a, a drawback, uh, including the hallucinations of him being in the hospital and all the characters that we saw, like Shane and so on. So let me go ahead and read you a little bit of this article. Rick Grimes' final episode on The Walking Dead featured many parallels uh, to the character's introduction in the first season of the AMC series. Andrew Lincoln served as the post- apocalyptic drama central character up until season nine appearing in a total of 103 episodes even though lincoln exited the tv show rick still has a future in the franchise with the development of the walking dead sequel movies rick's last episode came in season nine episode five Dealing with a severe injury sustained in the prior episode, Rick was tasked with diverting a walker herd as he went in, in and out of consciousness. During his lucid state, he had visions and hallucinations that featured elements of his past. Though he wanted to get back to his family, Rick was, dis was determined to destroy the herd. In a final act of heroism, Rick left the walkers to the newly construct led them to the newly constructed bridge before firing his gun on a pile of unused dynamite. The herd along of walkers blow up while Rick's family and friends believe that he was also killed. Uh, what comes after? mirrored events of Days Gone By. Days Gone By is the series premiere, the show's pilot. One of the most prominent similarities was Rick's injury. In the very first episode, Rick suffered a gunshot wound in his left abdomen, which left him in a coma. In his final appearance, the character was dealing with an injury after being impaled by rebar in that same spot. This gave more meaning to the return of Morgan's line, What's Your Wound? A piece of pilot dialogue replayed in What Comes After. Rick's injury was just one aspect that paralleled the beginnings of his journey. Of course, after Rick woke up from a coma, the infamous Don't Open Dead Inside Door was shown, and it fittingly reappeared in one of the character's visions. The series also made it a point to have Rick ride a horse while leading away the herd of walkers as a way to reminisce about how he used a horse to travel back to Atlanta in search of his family. So there you guys have it. Like I said, some really obvious stuff right there in regards to his, the, the family bit. But, you know, how many of you, you know, realize that the wound that he got when he got impaled was in the exact same spot that he got shot in as well. And then, of course, all the flashbacks of him in the hospital, his current self talking to his self when he was, 
you know, in the coma or waking up from the coma and the hallucination and so on. So anyway, uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, moving on to some next stuff. I'm just looking over all the chats. Everyone is giving there are a lot of love hearts coming up. Evelyn and CC Weezy says didn't know that on Instagram. Uh, let's see. So next thing on the list that we have is this dispute that we've talked about before. Now the title of this article basically says the Walking Dead movies may not be coming to the big screen first. Uh, thanks to the uh, AMC theaters beef with Universal Studios. Initially, AMC was planning on releasing the trilogy of the Walking Dead movies in theaters rather than directly to the small screen via their network. However, thanks to the, cur uh, the current coronavirus pandemic and the fact that Universal Pictures released a slew of movies directly to video on demand, AMC may renege on their original plan. As previously reported by the Inquisitor, this angered plenty of movie theaters due to the loss of potential revenue. This included AMC theaters, which is one of the largest movie theater chains in the world. A lot of us forget that AMC is not just a cable channel. It's also a distributor uh, and it's a, one of the biggest movie theater chains around as well. Universal Pictures CEO Jeff Schell also stated they plan to continue releasing movies to video on demand as well as into theaters. This came after the success of the early release of Trolls World Tour. In response to this statement, AMC Theaters declared they would no longer play Universal movies in their theaters. Regal Cinemas also joined AMC in stating they plan to steer clear of playing Universal movies in the future. Universal responded to these statements stating they absolutely believe in the theatrical experience and have made no statement to the contrary. While AMC and Regal have stated that they will no longer play Universal movies at their theaters, there are still plenty of other providers who are staying out of this. This could be an indicator that this is an initial knee-jerk reaction to the current situation and, the, and that things may calm down later. After all, the studios and theaters are symbiotic pairing and they need each other to help things running smoothly. One hand needs the other. Of course, there is still plenty of time left for AMC and Regal to back down from their uh, stance regarding Universal and allow the Walking Dead films to be theatrically released. After all, the movies are still in development stage due to further delays caused by the pandemic. By the time the films are ready to be released, the situation between the theaters and the movie studio should already be settled. And it should be. It really should be. Uh, movie theaters, movie studios, they need each other to go, you know, they need each other. Uh, one cannot really operate without the other. And Universal is just trying to get their movies out there instead of them just having sit on a shelf. So they've been releasing them to video on demand services like Vudu, Amazon. Fandango now and the movie theaters don't like that because they're losing revenue so they'll work it out as far as we're concerned as fans it doesn't affect us we're going to get the Rick Grimes movies for me personally whether the the Rick Grimes trilogy comes out in the movie theaters or it's available at home on the AMC channel uh, I don't care as long as I get to see them, that's all that's important to me. Kimmy writes, I miss the theater, as does Saz. Um, 
Rhea on Facebook writes, I can't wait to see Andrew Lincoln on the big screen. Miss him so much. We all do. And we're going to get our opportunity. Uh, let's see. Just scrolling through the Instagram uh, chats. Rohi is sending us love with a lot of smiley love faces. Let's see. Law is giving us a big thumbs up. Ari is also giving us a smiley love face. So you guys know how much I love to show you guys cool t-shirts and stuff. Came across another one today that I want to share with you guys. So let me show you this. This is another very cool t-shirt. says, fight the dead, fear the living. That's just one of the famous slogans, taglines used in the Walking Dead universe. This is a very cool t-shirt. Uh, just wanted to share it with you guys. Again, fight the dead, fear the living. Very cool shirt. So, let's proceed with our topic that we started yesterday. And we are going to wrap up today. And yesterday, if you missed uh, the show yesterday, guys... We started talking about Negan's Savior Lieutenants. We got through four of them yesterday, and we're actually have another five to go through today. So let's start off today by talking about Gavin. Uh, where do we place Gavin? Is he more of a Simon type of a guy or Dwight? You know, Simon being a psychopath, likes killing for any reason he can think of, or more like a Dwight, a guy who wants to please Negan, but doesn't really particularly enjoys killing and what he's had to do to get into Negan's good graces. Uh, Gavin personally doesn't strike me as someone who particularly enjoyed playing the bad guy, but he also didn't want to make things hard on himself. He follows Negan's orders through and through, and he hated stressful situations. He didn't like complications. If you guys remember, he found it easier managing those supply drops uh, by the kingdom if he just kept things friendly with Ezekiel. Where he went wrong is he kept bringing Jared with him, uh, Jared is the one who shot, who shot Henry's brother, Benjamin, and he ended up bleeding out. You know, Jared was played by Joshua Michael brilliantly. And, jo you know, Jared had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Uh, Gavin clearly disapproved of his behavior and especially did not approve of him, you know, killing Benjamin even though that may not have been his intention because he did shoot him in the leg and he thought they would be able to save him. But he did bleed out. He did die. Um, and in fact, Gavin carries that guilt of Benjamin dying with him. He does have a conscience. Uh, even when he was faced with the task of bringing Ezekiel to Negan, Gavin expresses a lot of regret of how things turned out. Now, what happened to Gavin? All right. He was killed by Henry, who, uh, young Henry, who stabs him through the, the back of the neck uh, with Morgan and Carol watching. Uh, I love that scene. And what I loved about that scene more than anything is the fact that just looking at Morgan and Carol's expression once they realized what Henry did. Because remember, you know, Carol and Ezekiel adopt uh, Henry and raise him. And uh, just to see a little kid murder someone, uh, Henry was out for vengeance from the moment his brother got killed. And he was hell-bent on getting it. So... Going back to Gavin again, uh, how do you guys feel about Gavin's relationship with Negan? Do you agree with what I've said so far? Do you completely disagree? Do you guys think he did enjoy uh, 
being the hard ass that he was asked to be portrayed as by Negan. Rhea on Facebook says, I love your shirt, Viz. Nice one. Thank you, Rhea. Uh, Kat uh, wrote, I don't remember that auto about zombies opening the doors. So she cannot confirm. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes on Facebook, you're right. Great scene, Viz. That is an awesome scene. Not the fact that Henry killed Gavin. Uh, that falls in line with what we expect in The Walking Dead. It's the look on Morgan and Carol's faces. Not the fact that even Gavin died. They weren't remorseful. I'm sure they would have killed him themselves. Uh, it's just the fact that Henry did it. They didn't want a young boy to do that. Understandably so. But he did. So, for those of you that do not remember what Gavin looks like, let me take this down and bring up Gavin's picture. So, this is Gavin. For any of you who don't know who I'm talking about, this is the, the character, the lieutenant we've been talking about. This is Gavin. All right. Let's move on to our next lieutenant. And the next one on the list is Regina. Probably one of the lesser known lieutenants of the Saviors under Negan. Uh, she wasn't a very level-headed person. She was the opposite of Laura. Regina had very little patience and wasn't someone you could rely on to lead. She preferred taking shortcuts and basically acted before she thinks. Like the governor. The governor acted on pure impulse. He didn't think things through. It was vengeance the governor was after and he was going to get it no matter what the consequences. He didn't give a crap who died along the way as long as it wasn't him. Uh, now when the sanctuary was surrounded by walkers in All Out War Season 8, and Negan was trapped with uh, Gabriel in that box trailer, there were discussions among the lieutenants on what to do and whether or not Negan was dead. They, did not, they had no clue what had happened to him. All they knew is that he vanished. They had no idea where he was. Regina was quick to assume that Negan was dead. She suggested that they use the workers as a distraction while the minority of the saviors escaped from the walkers and the, by minority she meant all the top lieutenants they wanted to save their own ass from that herd that was surrounding the sanctuary uh, she had no problem using their own people as bait to save her own ass which lost uh, their respect in her and you all know how Negan feels about people. People are a resource. Remember that quote. Negan says this over and over. That's the one point he wanted to hammer in into all of his lieutenants. People, living people, human beings are a resource. That's why he set out that rule. Anytime you approach a new group, in order to, in order to make them understand how serious we are, you only kill one, and only one. And he breaks his own rule in season seven in the premiere. He took out two because Daryl threw a swing at him, pissed him off, and we lost Glenn. I'm not blaming Daryl, but I'm just pointing out a time where even Negan broke his own rules. All right? Now, do any of you guys remember what happened to Regina? She was one of the several saviors who did not fit with the communities and left with Jed's group sometime during that time jump that we had in season nine after Rick left the show. She is the one savior, who, uh, she is one of the saviors, sorry, who gets burned alive by Carol after they robbed her and Henry. And we all know, we've, I've discussed this many times, uh, Carol likes to torch people, <laughs> uh, especially if they're saviors. She did it 
uh, in season uh, seven, no six, I believe, when they attacked the sanct the uh, the outpost, and she got kidnapped by those outliers that were waiting in the woods. They, her and Maggie, got the better part of them, and she lured the other saviors that were called in, and she set them on fire, and she did it again with Jed's group when they robbed her and Henry of their supplies. So, let me show you guys a picture of Regina, because I want everybody to remember and understand who we are talking about. So, here's Regina. And a lot of you guys are probably saying right now, oh, her, yes. That is Regina. It looks like the YouTube chats froze, so let me go and see what the YouTube people are saying. Uh, Kat says, did not like Regina at all. Regina had the worst ideas. Uh, Juciara writes, I love The Walking Dead. I'm a white boy, writes on YouTube. She deserved what she got. She did. She chose to go with Jed. And if you guys also remember when that ammunition backfired on all of them, the uh, rigged ammunition by Eugene that won the war for Rick and the gang, even then, she was one of the ones that was did not surrender. She wanted to keep fighting. Uh, she's the one that went after Eugene, I think, specifically. I may be wrong. I may be remembering wrong. But I believe she's the one that went after Eugene. Uh, Caleb writes, Carol is so different from the comics. Oh, yeah, she is. Uh, Gypsy Road is with us on YouTube saying sorry for missing some shows on vacation with the family at the ocean. I hope you're enjoying yourself, Gypsy. Uh, welcome back to the show. So anyway, here's Regina. Now, next on the list that we have of the lieutenants. I bet you guys never realized that Negan just had so many lieutenants. And the next one is DJ. Yeah, he uh, he was a lieutenant. He was a lieutenant. Matt Mangum. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, he's going to be a guest with us here very soon on Dead Talk Live. He was DJ. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are excited to see DJ on our show in so many ways. DJ is very similar to Laura. His loyalty uh, to Negan was also unwavering. But just like Laura, DJ had enough sense not to fight for a lost cause and pledged his loyalty to Michonne and Alexandria when he could see the time had come to, end, to an end for the saviors. And after the time jump... And DJ was one of the people that got sl that got slaughtered at the Kingdom Fair massacre by Alpha. He was one of the heads on the Pikes. Uh, he was really loyal to Michonne. Him and Laura, I would put, were like the two biggest saviors that not only fully committed to Alexandria and the other communities but was also trusted by Michonne in return as well. They proved in that missing six years that we only saw little bits and parts of in flashbacks. Obviously, a lot of stuff went down with DJ and Laura and Michonne for Michonne to really trust them the way she did. If I was to give DJ a position... After he joined Alexandria, uh, we saw him a lot with Michonne. He was like, DJ was like Michonne's bodyguard. Uh, I would also say like he was like in charge of security of Alexandria. And Laura was on the council. So here are two savior lieutenants who achieved some pretty respectable positions inside the Alexandria community. 
All right. Uh, so let's see a picture of DJ for all of you guys who have no idea who I'm talking about. Want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Here is DJ. Oh, and his picture is not coming up. Would you believe that? Let me see if I can find it real quick. Bear with me, guys. There he is. There he is. That's DJ. Okay. That's Matt Mangum and our future guest here on Dead Talk Live. Very excited to have him coming on our show. Let's go see what the uh, people are saying. I'm sorry I have to keep flipping back to YouTube because my universal chat uh, froze. Devana writes, I just had to switch to watching this on YouTube uh, because of the... Yeah, we're, we're, we're cleaning the garbage out on Instagram, Devana. Just be patient. Uh, it's going to take some time, but I know exactly where your frustration is coming from. We have a lot of people working on it, and unfortunately... Instagram does not allow on-the-fly moderation. They need to catch up with the times and allow uh, accounts like myself who do regular live streams to have uh, to assign moderators who have the ability to basically kick people out on the fly instead of having to wait for after the show. So, but don't worry, everybody's going to get their due. Everybody's going to get their due. Uh, Alina writes, uh, okay, thank you. So let's see. Let me go back here. Uh, Lindsay Sparks up said that she did not like Regina at all. So let's move on to our next um, lieutenant, guys. And the next one on the list is Gary. Now, who remembers Gary? Let's do it a little differently this time. Let's show the picture of Gary before we actually start talking about Gary. And I have to load his picture back up again. I got him right here. So here's Gary, guys. The face should ring a bell if you watched all of season eight. This is uh, Negan's Lieutenant Gary. So what do we have to say about Gary? Um, here's a rundown of what we have on Gary. He did a lot of bad stuff on The Walking Dead. You may not have realized it, but he has quite the nefarious resume of bad things. He was one of the saviors who beat up Dwight when Negan finds out that Sherry helped Daryl escape. He was also the one who beat up Aaron in front of Rick in Alexandria after returning from their scavenger hunt. Remember the beating that Aaron had to endure while Rick had to watch it? They kicked the living shit out of Aaron. And it was this guy. It was Gary that did it. He's the one that carried out that attack on Aaron without any sort of remorse. Anyway, Gary was not a nice savior. He doesn't have any real redeemable qualities. He was also an eager player in the massacre of Jadis's people, uh, which was led by Simon. Not only did he participate in the slaughter, but when he walked by Jadis's body, uh, where she was playing dead, remember? He's the one that spit on her. How many of you guys remember that? Uh, she got spit on by Gary thinking, you know, he was thinking that she was dead. So just killing them was not good enough for this guy. He had to go over and spit on them as well. Uh, that's just a very low and beyond disrespectful thing to do. Anyway, I mean, disrespectful is not even an accurate word. He just slaughtered them. And then he has the balls to go around and spitting on their dead bodies. Uh, Lindsay on Facebook writes, yep, I remember that scene. Uh, let's see what's going on. So, uh, where was I? Right here. Now, do you, did you guys also remember that he almost pulls the trigger on Jerry? That moment when Neil is killed 
Well, it could have been Jerry. That was when Maggie goes back to Hilltop and she executes one of the saviors they were holding as prisoners. She wanted retribution for Neil. Our final point was Gary loyal to Negan. And obviously he was not loyal to Rick. He never made it over, but... He was one of the people that had no problem in following Simon. So was he loyal to Negan after everything he had done? Uh, the answer is no, he was not. He was part of that very small group of saviors who did team up with Simon to take the sanctuary and the saviors away from Negan. And basically that was how his life ultimately ended as well. So there you guys have it. I mean, those are the top lieutenants of Negan uh, throughout season seven and eight. But we're going to throw in a bonus. Now, you're going to not think of this person as a lieutenant for Negan, but I think he deserves mentioning as for a while there, being a part of uh, Negan's inner circle. And Eugene, you gotta, you gotta put Eugene in that group, all right? Eugene was actively working for Negan. He was and can be considered a lieutenant for Negan as well. Cat uh, writes on YouTube, I was horrified watching Aaron getting beat up like that. Cassandra Drake writes, Ooh, yep, I remember. What a sadist. Cat uh, also writes, Yep, Cassandra, I agree. Good description, sadist. Now let's go on to Eugene. Uh, like myself, unless you really sit down and think about it, a lot of us never really considered Eugene to be a lieutenant but he really was for a short time he didn't want to be uh he was forced into it when this you know negan abducted him uh by force obviously away from alexandria because they saw he could be a value to them he was the bullet maker now eugene is not a fighter he gets other people to protect him to do the fighting for him and has said himself he will go with whichever group offers him the greatest chances of survival. Uh, but Negan didn't choose Eugene because he thought he could be a good soldier. Negan wanted Eugene for his talents as an engineer. He was a very intelligent person, and Negan saw him as a great resource. And it's true, Eugene is very smart, his social skills can use a little bit of work, but he's a genius. He's very smart. Now, do you guys think that the room that Eugene was given is the same one Negan was planning to give to Daryl? You know, the one that came furnished with his own TV, video games, and a fridge full of food. You guys remember what I'm talking about? When Daryl was prisoner and they were trying to break him and they were showing Daryl what he could have if he agrees to call himself Negan and to turn over to the dark side for lack of a better term. So I wonder if that was the same room that was ultimately given to Eugene instead. Anyhow, Eugene for the most part cooperated and followed Negan's orders, right? Well, that is probably because he was scared of what would happen to him if he disobeyed. And when the uh, sanctuary was surrounded by Rick and the group, uh, Negan said to Eugene, when the people in here start to turn on each other because there's no food, he's like, I'm going to kill you first. Not as punishment, but because I like you and I don't want you to see what, like what's going to happen. Not verbatim. That's not what he said verbatim. But it was the message he was trying to convey to Eugene. 
And of course, that scared the crap out of Eugene. Uh, he was appreciated, and his intellect was valued by Negan and the Saviors. Uh, while he was in Rick's group, he felt underappreciated and a bit of an outsider once they all knew that he lied about who he was and how he had a cure for this zombie virus, especially Abraham. He was spoiled by Negan and the Saviors. Remember, Laura asked him if he wanted anything to eat when he was shown his room. And she told him he could have anything. If they had it, he can have it. He was given full access to resources with no questions asked, which was how he was able to make those poison pills. And he made those pills because Negan's wives requested him so they could kill Negan. He didn't do it for them, but he did give it to... Uh, uh, I believe he gave it to Sasha because ultimately that is what Sasha used to kill herself while she was being dragged back to Alexandria in the coffin where she knew she was going to be used as bait and didn't want to be used like that. She chose to take herself out. I mean, that's heroic right there. I'm just going to scroll over to YouTube, see what you guys are saying. Uh, Kat remembers that and wondered the same thing about the room. Cassandra says, yep, Eugene has redeemed himself, of course, he has. But his loyalty was questioned. Uh, in the beginning, I thought he was just playing along. But as his time with the Saviors went on, I really started to question if he really did completely flip over. Uh... Cat writes, you could even say he became an unsung hero. He did. Be, he he won the war for Rick. If it wasn't for Eugene, they would all died uh, out there in that in that clearing. Uh, Cassandra also writes, lovingly referred to as haircut by Laura. Yep. Caleb writes, Eugene could have anything except lobster. <laughs> uh, Eugene was a compulsive liar. Uh, yeah, he was. He will say whatever he asked you to save his own behind. I mean, that pretty much sums it up with Eugene. Uh, let's see, what else about Eugene? Was Eugene loyal to Negan? Uh, no. Eugene could not find it in his heart to betray his true friends. So, he was not, he was not loyal to Negan. He was afraid of Negan. Uh, but his mind changed when Daryl and Rosita... Took him out of that bullet uh, factory. And he ultimately went back. But it was that basically the talk that Rosita laid on him as they were dragging him away. Because he admits this himself. That's when he decided that he was going to basically rig the ammunition and help out his true friends. Even though the saviors treated him well... It was only because he had something useful to offer them. They were not his real friends. He may not feel appreciated by Rick's people, but they never turned their backs on him even after all the lies he told. They kept protecting him, even though through and all of his cowardice, despite his faults, he was still family to them. Eugene's loyalty to his friends ultimately became the decider on who won the war. He made those faulty bullets and the saviors lost because of what he did. And at the start of All Out War, guys, how many of us thought that Eugene would be the one to win the war for Rick and the group? Wasn't me, I'll tell you that much. Uh, that was his shining moment. That was his shining moment. Uh, and he won over the respect of everyone and... You can really say what he did for them at the end of that war. The lies he told to Rosita and even though Abraham was not still around, they sort of really put that behind them. That was his moment. Now, what do you, what do you guys think about Eugene during this time with the Saviors before they had that big final confrontation, you know, in that clearing? 
did you guys agree? Was there a time where you guys felt that he did flip over to Negan like I did? Um, I mean, when they had their guns pointed at Rick and the group, I knew they were not going to kill everybody or else that would have been the end of the show. I knew something had to happen. I had no freaking idea. And then when all the guns backfired, well, there was our hero. It was Eugene. And goddamn, who would have guessed it? Eugene, the hero of all-out war. Do you think he would accept his new life as a savior and obey Negan to save his own neck? Or did you suspect that he would do something incredible as the thing that he did? And what impressed me even more about Eugene, not only did he rig up the ammunition, Negan gave him the option to stay behind in the sanctuary. Knowing what was going to happen as soon as they fired those guns, it does surprise me that he ended up coming along. Uh, because that shows bravery on his part because he knew he would be standing very close to Negan when all that ammunition backfired. And he put his neck on the line because there was a real possibility they could have killed Eugene before the others came to his aid and rushed the, the remaining saviors. That, to me, is his moment of bravery. Uh, the hero part is him rigging up the ammunition. So, that brings us to the end, guys, of all of Negan's lieutenants. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this two-part two discussion as we went through all of uh, the Savior Lieutenants. Please visit our website right up there, deadtalklive.com. We have every bit of information, links, episodes, submission forms, contact forms, everything you could possibly think of about our social media network and this show. Again, it's deadtalklive.com. If you're on YouTube right now, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. If you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, please go ahead and visit us on YouTube. Our channel is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe. Uh, you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode, guys. Michael Satrazimus is going to be our special guest. Again, executive producer, director of Fear the Walking Dead, and current The Walking Dead uh, director, has been with The Walking Dead since the very beginning and is still uh, about as active as you can be on the show. Only a handful of people can say that they've been with this show from the very beginning and are still there today, and Michael Satrazimus is one of them. So you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode. You guys have less than a day to submit your questions if you have any. Again, you can do so on our website. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow night on what is going to be a very fascinating discussion. And until tomorrow night, guys, remember to stay walking.